Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. We're into the 20s, round 20 coming up, ladies and gentlemen. I've got JB on with me tonight to talk all things Supercoach. Mate, how are you, champion? Uh, I'm honoured to be in your presence, Cheezo. Yes, we do record this together, mate. Uh, how's your <laughs> week been? How'd, how'd you score in the last couple? Uh, you, you've been uh, absolutely flying lately. Have you made it into the top 100 yet? i tell you what, ever since I've been flying, I feel like I've been shoved off the podcast because... It's I don't, I don't know what it is maybe jealousy but you guys just try to try to put me down cheese I'm sick of it it's it's because all you do is brag about your bloody rank all right well now, now that you've asked <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm up to rank one thirty eight which is a season high uh, at the moment maybe even career high I'm yet to check that so uh, yeah doing pretty well two trades left in the bank don't have any of the uh, little bits of carnage that are happening this week so not doing too bad for myself Cheezo. Yeah, that's good. I also had a week of Supercoach this week. JB, nothing to touch on there or go into any more depth, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) We should also mention the most important thing that has happened this week, JB, is the uh, official announcement that Team JB has won the Rivalry League for 2019. I know it's the official announcement this week, but we've been celebrating this for about a month. So uh, it's been locked up for quite a while now, and I don't think any of the uh, Team JB members were sweating on this one. No, it, it was pretty well decided, wasn't it? Like, a, so we've got the the wins. <laughs> so cocky. Were, Why don't you shoot it, me down for that? JB forty four cheese comes in second with thirty three, the silver medal, and Team Pistol womp womp thirty one wins for was the Team season. Team Pistol in the competition this year. <laughs> I, I actually I thought it was notice. just a two horse race. Oh, jeez, that's embarrassing. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, Matty Boomsticks obviously taking home the MVP. So uh, uh, who was Matty Boomsticks on? Uh, all I just remember is just him walloping my whole entire team for the rest of the like the entire year. He was Team JB Chizo, and I think yeah. second up in the MVP voting was myself. So yeah, also Team JB, and I think third up in the MVP voting was Meso, also Team JB. Drawn with Blackie. Blackie actually came with the bronze medal. Oh, that's the, the the points for and against. Uh, actually, um, the way that Pistol decided who was in watch position seemed to change every week, and so he settled <laughs> on he settled on rather than percentage a numerical value of how many points scored above points again. I don't know. He just he, he, he went from average and then total points and then points above that. Um, yeah, so he, he, very very interesting, and uh, it didn't seem to help him at all because he's just languishing down the bottom. I don't know if we relegate him next year or what. Do we get in a new <laughs> podcaster? Yeah, we, we might have to. <laughs> might have to bring back one of the uh, the failed experiment podcasters to get a get hopefully a better super coach rank and, and rep the team better. Yeah, Pistol goes back to the twos where he just plays with those that have paid their subs. I mean, look, it, here's the human calculator. I don't think we can replace him <laughs> fully, so maybe we just hold on to him for one more season. Look, that's fair enough. Um, so it would be really good to um, send out some prizes for everyone that in the rivalry rivalry league do win something. So we'll announce that in the coming weeks. Uh, JB, that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, we should also go through some housekeeping, mate. We've got the monthly... Um, actually, before we do that, we've got someone we do need to jump uh, a shout-out. Daniel Kuvardis, uh, thank you for signing up to the patron. Uh, you get this whole uh, little shout-out period to yourself because you're uh, the, the kind of the lone wolf coming into the, our Slack channel this week. It's great to have you on board. So what was the pronunciation of that surname again? Daniel Kuvardis. 
Cuvartis, okay. All right. I'm going to go with that. Look, it's all about confidence, JV. You know that by now. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it. <laughs> and for the uh, the um, prize league, we have two uh, prizes that we give out every month. We've got the highest accumulative score for July, which is Eccles. Again, congratulations to Eccles. He's gone back-to-back, JB. He won in June and now July. It's no surprise that he's so high up in the rankings. But Chizo, did he really win in June? He did because there was no one else eligible that was above him. But was someone else above him? Maybe. Who was that person? I want you to say it, Chizo. It was uh, JB. Yes, there it is. A large margin, actually, but you you were null and void because uh, you yes, got insider trader information from the um, data centers at Supercoach. So we can't let you have that, mate. You you, well, you can't have insider trader information <laughs> and then and then uh, uh, still win prizes. So Eccles wins that. And just to, to clarify, in June, through six points separated Eccles, Tony DVDA Cats, and Liam G. And they are the top three um, scorers this month as well. We've got uh, Eccles scored 10,075, Tony 10,019, and uh, Liam G 9,969. So uh, just 106 points separating them again this month, just showing that they're having fantastic years all in the uh, around about the top 100, um, uh, maybe in all top 50. Maybe we have to give some priority picks to the the lower That's players right. because it's the top three just dominating every month isn't it <laughs> do, do we introduce concerning. like a, a negative 100 point system so every week that every month you win you get another 100 like um, start taken off your starting value to bring it we, down we might have to but Eccles might still win he's <laughs> been so <laughs> yeah, dominant this true. year Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's true. Um, and we've also got the, the random prize winner, JB, that we do for everyone in the prize group and, and above. And this week, or this month, is Levesque. Levesque. So congratulations, Levesque. A, uh, a little prize coming your way as well. Make sure you contact us on Slack and uh, give us send us a DM so we can get some details. We'll send that out to you as soon as you can. Congratulations. Awesome. And very active in the community, Levesque. So a very deserved winner. He's panicking about Isaac Quainer at the moment. Oh, he's got... Oh, okay. Well... That's not one that I thought many people would be panicking about, but uh, I will jump into the Cancer Council donations now. I've had two since the last podcast. Obviously, we missed the earlier week podcast because there was just absolutely nothing to talk about. Um, Firstly, from The Woodsman, he's just got bloody virtual written in there. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that kind of speaks for itself. So, obviously, copped the the donut, I guess, for the virtual resting, um, but that would have been a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, maybe maybe a bit slow on the donation there, Woodsman. But next, we've got Paul Jones. Forgot to take the captaincy off of Grundy before the round started. Also had McRae vice-captain. So, missed out on a good 35 points there in the difference. So... Uh, not ideal for Paul. That's obviously a donate for dumb things. And look, at least Grundy didn't get injured or, or score really poorly. Otherwise, it would have been much more painful, I think. You know what it was? It's Clayton putting the, the VC on, on Grundy. That's what it was. Oh, he, dude, he's the, the super coach player killer. That That's what he is. He's, his, his slack symbol is a grim reaper because every person he trades in, he kills. Every captaincy choice he makes, he kills. Can't he just trade in and captain like... I don't, I don't know who I don't have at this point, but there's I, I someone they, that's not in my team. I think if they made a Marvel comic about him, it would be Clayton Carnage. That, that would be his, his, his name, I think. I like that. You're, well, you're lucky <laughs> Stan Lee's not around to hear that. He would have poached that right off you, mate. And we're down to the final eight in the Dr. Supercoach Cup. JB's things are starting to heat up. How about Butler 
He won by default last week because the person he played against cancelled their membership. Sneaks through, comes up against um, the eighth-ranked team in Supercoach and pulls off a 20-point win. He's into the, the quarterfinals. It's, it's just incredible. If, if this isn't a Stephen Bradbury moment, then I don't know what is because he's just... <laughs> He's seemingly crawling through all the mayhem and not getting scathed by anything. So now he's got a very tough opposition this week uh, in Luke, who's just dominating the season. If he can get past him as well, then I'm convinced that Butler is... Uh, what's the opposite to Cursed? Because he's that... I don't even know what it is. No, not that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, so... Uh, that, that's getting very, very exciting in the next couple of weeks. JB, that pretty much wraps up all the housekeeping. We'll get straight into the Supercoach content now because that's what everyone's waiting for. Um, the first person that we need to touch on in terms of Supercoach is an omission in Scott Lysett from Port, mate. Um, do we expect this to be a one-weeker or more? Honestly, I'd expect it to be a zero-weeker if I was asked during the week. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the club. I don't know why we're dropping players that are seventh ranked in the competition in the last couple of months and obviously top ranked in our whole team. I mean, I know that's a little bit padded by the fact that he's come up against some poor uh, ruck opposition, but I mean, it's just not... I don't understand. We're not in a position to drop people for having 20 touches and 40 bloody hitouts the week before, so... I'm not happy about it. I don't know if it'll be a one-weeker because there must be something happening behind the scenes that the, the fans and the, the spectators aren't privy to because it's it's not his form. It can't be his form. So, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you cheese on, unfortunately. Look, the, the, the word out there at the moment is you were flicking through Twitter and it popped up that Scott Lysett was out and you threw your phone away like you saw a huntsman on your hand. <laughs> You were just, oh, get it away. Honestly, it was it was probably quicker. Um, and if I didn't throw it because of that, it was maybe because of the fact that Suckliffe is continuously getting games and I don't even know what his purpose is on the footy field, so I, I couldn't oh, even tell you. Mate, imagine if he listens to this. He's just hurting his feelings. I hope he does. <laughs> Obviously, Motlop... Motlop was the person at the start of the season that this was happening to. Somehow, the blackmail that Motlop had on Ken Hinckley, he's lost it. So, Ken Hinckley drops in from the side. He's like, yep, finally, no one's got anything on me. Sutcliffe has found it. He's found the blackmail. Now, he's using it against Ken. So, look, something, something's going on here, Chizo. It's It's very fishy, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Okay, I can't wait until you do. We should talk about potential trade-in options for Scott Lysette. I think um, the best course of action, considering so many coaches are low on trades, uh, probably don't have a whole lot of cash in the bank. Um, you know, why don't we you know, suspect that there's not a, not a lot of money to work with? Because uh, obviously, if you've got some cash in the bank, you get the big guys, you get the Dunkleys, you get the Dangerfields. Let's talk about someone around Scott Lysett's price range, which is about 550k, and we'll work under that ceiling and see what we can come up with. Well, luckily enough for Scott Lysett owners, if you're missing either Tim Kelly or Isaac Heaney, although they're not in great form compared to the forwards that we're about to go through, I think they're pretty obvious options as players who can go 130 plus and sort of sustain a 100 plus average between now and the end of the season, although you know they haven't shown exceptional signs of doing so, but they're obviously, from the money that you've got available, they're the, the best that we're about to offer. Besides that, I'll start off here, Chizo. I'll talk about probably... I'll, I'll, I will leave my favourite option until the end. I'll start off with Tom Hawkins. He plays up against Fremantle, North Melbourne, Brisbane and Carlton for his final month of football. Now, the important thing here, Chizo, is when Geelong went on that poor patch in the last month and a half, he was scoring poorly. He doesn't do well in losses and he especially doesn't do well when he doesn't kick multiples 
of goals. So uh, think back to the Port game. They lost. Didn't, he didn't kick any goals. Uh, Tom Clurie obviously shut him down in that one. And he had a really, really poor score. Uh, it could be worse of the season. I'm not going to look it up right now, but let's just say it is. Um, <laughs> in his next four, Fremantle, North Brisbane, Carlton, you give him at least three ticks out of that lot. He averages 96 in wins. So that's a pretty big average for someone who's obviously not priced accordingly due to his last month and a half. Even better than that, Chizu, he comes up against a few defenses that aren't exactly exceptional or highly ranked in the competition. And he averages 98 points when he kicks two or more goals. And add another goal to that, three plus, and he averages 110. So if you like him to do that a few more times in before the end of the season, then I think he's a very underrated and good option. Yeah, and shouts to John Ambo on Twitter for putting that together. It's not like us this late in the season to actually do some research, JB. So <laughs> yeah, that's I'm glad someone did. For us. Uh, I suppose with Hawkins, it's his first ton since round 10. So um, in the last nine games, he's hit, hit the 90s three times. So it's not like he's been going terrible. He just had that really down patch along with Geelong. And as, as you say... When they're winning, when they're up and about, he's going to be scoring. Two games down at Cadenia uh, Park against North and Carlton can only work in his favour. Uh, Frio this week at Optus Stadium. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, I'm not expecting 120 plus another, you know, huge score like he had Sydney last week. Uh, but Brisbane's probably the big tough one that I'm looking at. Harris Andrews at the Gabba, uh, probably going to lock down on him. Uh, but the other three do look like potentially, um, you know, good scoring opportunities. Um, I suppose the next one that I'll go in um, someone that we've been banging on about all year in Caleb Daniel being able to pick him up reduced in price since his uh, hamstring injury um, came back with 107 on the weekend after a, a slowish return in the 60s I only see good things from having Caleb Daniel in your team and picking him up for 491 is a steal based on how he's been playing this year yeah and obviously Minus the, uh, I mean, oh, he still scored well when he got injured because it was very late in the game was against Port. Um, so, I mean, he hasn't really had a huge injury effect this score. I think he just started slowly when he returned, uh, hence the lowish price. I mean, he doesn't really score huge scores to blow the price out of the water anyway, but he's very consistent. And for this time of the season, I mean, I was just about to mention he's got good injury history. Obviously, just coming off of an injury, it is unexpected for him he generally does have good injury history so I think he's, he's fairly trustworthy in that he won't lose you games in your league finals and he won't tank your rank with a score of 60 he's probably just going to tick along around that 80 to 95 or 100 range for the rest of the season so he's a fairly safe option I think and in terms of his um, games to ton ratio he's actually tunned up eight times this year and he's been in the 90s two further times from that point so 10 of the 19 um so he hasn't played 19 games so that's a complete right 16 rounds he's played 10 out of 16 yep. rounds he's t- uh, either gone in uh 93 or above uh and it, you know that put Adelaide game as you say in round 15 when he did the hammy he was on 88 missed the entire final quarter so he'd expect a, a win from them uh, first game back only the 68 uh, but yep, either side right. of that he had four tons leading up to it and then one after it as well so he went 106 124 114 114 and injured 88 a slow 68 when he came back and then 107 back again this week who was the uh, 68 against as well uh, it was against St Kilda that was the, that was the game where St Kilda had the new coach and they smashed him like yeah. early in that game and it was hard for any doggies player to get back into that one so yeah. I'll even give him a bit of a pass on that one as a return game 
Yeah, and coming up, we've got Brisbane, Essendon, GWS and Adelaide. So you'd expect to be taking a large number of kickouts with uh, a lot of those teams very, uh, being high scoring and um, highly offensive teams. So uh, at least the ball's going to be down in his uh, you know defensive area quite a lot. So that only bodes well for him as well. And, and you know, the doggies have been going well. So um, chances are that the structures are going to help his, um, his kickouts turning into attacking chains as well, which also accumulates points. Um, uh, so I only see good things from Caleb Daniel as well. So um, that's that's my two cents. If I had the cash, I would probably, I'd almost look, overlook Heaney and TK and, and grab Daniel on that um, that okay. bullish on him. That's fair enough. Uh, I'll give you an alternate option to even Daniel. So maybe you want to pass up on TK, Heaney and Daniel. And that is Michael Walters. So obviously he's having one of the seasons of his career, kicking a bunch of game-winning points or goals or whatever they may be. Um, so he had a bit of a down patch a couple of games ago, but the down patch was 81, 95, and 83 uh, in consecutive weeks. Since then, he's had two tons of 104 and 113. Prior to that, he had four tons in a row, being 110, 127, 158, which shows his true scoring potential, and 100 against Melbourne. So he has essentially either side of this in quotation marks, poor run of three weeks where he averaged 90. Uh, he's pretty much just tunned up from round 10 onwards. So if you're looking at anyone, he's at a reasonable price as well, obviously cheaper than uh, Scott Lysette by about 50K. He comes up against Geelong, which is a bit of a tough one, but then plays against St. Kilda, Essendon and Port. And Port's the, the one that he had 158 against. They had absolutely no answers for him all game. So... Um, and um, even having a look here, St. Kilda, he put up 120 against as well. So um, I expect him to not storm home, but I expect him to, to have a good collection of scores to finish off what's been a really good season for Michael Walters. Yeah, the thing with Walters is he does have quite a lot of variance in his score. It's not like a Caleb Daniel where you can bank a 95 to 105 on any given week. He hasn't, but, he hasn't he's scored, th- wait, one, two, three 80s since round eight, and 80 is his low, 81 is his lowest score. Yeah, but I he's just that kind of player that I just I get that feeling in my solar plexus that if I brought him in he'd put out a 40. I just get that feeling with Michael Walters because I've got history with him. Well, he's had two poor scores of t- sub 80 this season. One was in round 2 against Gold Coast funnily enough where he scored 50. Maybe that one was a bit too easy for him. The other one was against Adelaide in round 7 where he scored 71. Everything else has been 80 plus and most of them have been tons. You're building a very, very good case. Hey, mate, uh, well, if, if the, the order of the day is uh, something a little bit left field, let me throw one straight back at you, mate. I've got right, go. uh, Jack Darling on okay. a bit of a tear at the moment. A bit of a tear. His last five has gone 123, 175, 123, 125. Jeez. For a five-round average of 109.2 and a three-round average of 107.7. Now, Past history is not a good, reliable indicator of future performance. However, he does have Carlton, Adelaide, Richmond, and Hawthorne, which do tend to give up a few points to the big forwards um, in terms of Supercoach. He's hitting the ground running. He's playing Adelaide and Hawthorne at home. Um, Richmond at the MCG because that's the only place they play these days. Um, and Carlton <laughs> this week against Marvel is the only one that kind of stands out. Yes, Carlton um, generally do give up big scores. But the last time he played at Marvel, he played St Kilda and only put up 69. So uh, maybe this week he's not going to put up anything you know, uh, substantial. Um, 
but uh, he does have the history um, at Optus and against the, the three following teams that he can uh, score quite well. So uh, maybe a bit of a left field option there if you're feeling a little bit ambitious. I like it. I like it. And uh, I think it's also interesting to mention a lot of people have thrown around Billings as an option as well. <gasps> uh, <laughs> you spoke about high variance. He is the definition of it. He essentially goes 70 or 80 or goes a big ton. So I'm not advocating for him. I can understand why people would sort of go for the really high variance. But um, yeah, he's not one for me. Now, one last one that I'll throw at you, Chizo. Tom okay. Lynch. Uh, you actually mentioned him pre-podcast. Didn't make it onto my notes, but just remembered him then. Last three weeks has gone 103, 116, 132. All at the MCG. Doesn't leave there for the rest of the season. Has games against Melbourne, who are deplorable. Carlton, who are about to have a tough run, so definitely going to be tested. Finishes the season with West Coast and Brisbane, but like I said, they're going to be traveling teams to the MCG, so um, I don't know if that... I mean, it probably doesn't give him an upper hand, but at least it's not going to be, you know, traveling away sort of uh, atmosphere, so um, four games remaining at the G, three tons in a row at the G. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think um, Richmond is starting to purr, definitely. They're starting to... I think they've they've really surprised me. I thought that Richmond were really struggling this year and all of yeah, a sudden so in I. a two or three week period, they get one or two players back and, you know, they, they lose Cochin and they lose Stack this week and they just plug Caddy and, and the likes back in. How it, crazy it just, it, is it that Caddy was just sitting in their twos this, yeah. like, this whole time and we thought they had injuries. <laughs> they've got depth. And Caddy's been cutting it up too. I think he had like thirty-eight touches and three goals one week, just going past. So like, um, I don't know, I don't know what the story was there. But um, in terms of Richmond, I really think they're just starting to pick up their game. And you know, they obviously had to change their game plan from last year because of the the six-six-six rule. They they um, were the most affected by the rule change by their game play. Um, and so I think they're you know Lynch is starting to gel better with their mids and and their forward line. So uh, I, I really like. That. The only thing that kind of stands out to me is the fact he's playing against West Coast and Brisbane. Both have really, really strong first yep. um, defenders in McGovern um, if he's going to play lockdown. Well, they've got a, a multitude of options, really. And then Brisbane have Harris Andrews, which is one of the best young defenders we've had in a long time. So he would definitely go to Lynch over um, over Rewald, in my opinion. So uh, prelim final, grand final, maybe impacted a little bit, but the form he's in right now, very, very good option. And he'll definitely give you a good shot at getting to that grand final with Melbourne and Carlton in his next two. So, yeah, I think he, he again, I think he's a risky one because as we've seen during the season, he's hasn't put up a, he's, sorry, he's scored one ton for this whole year a bit prior to the last three weeks. And that was against Port Adelaide. So, uh, I don't, I mean, he scored two tons against Port Adelaide too. That's awesome. Glad I read that stat out. But um, <laughs> he's really building at this, at the right time of the season. And, you know, it could be a high risk, high reward pick to get on. So, um, I think that pretty much covers the forward options. Do we want to quickly rank them as maybe just give your favourite um, favourite safe option, favourite risky option? Okay, my favourite safe option I think is Caleb Daniel. Uh, my favourite risky option would be Hawkins. Okay, I like that. I reckon my my favourite safe option would be Michael Walters. Um, and I think my favourite risky option. Uh, I'm going to go for Tom Lynch. I, I I just think he can do some wild things to finish off the season and, and really really put his stamp on the... Uh, do you know what? I said this um, 
the week before last. I, I think he's, it was a genuine Coleman chance then, and he's only kicked bags of goals since. So he, I think he's something like 10 behind the leader. But he's a sneaky chance, Chizo. Watch, watch this space. All right, man. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Just, <laughs> both of us just burning TK as the safe option, but that's okay. I just thought I'd go slightly different. Um, the next big out that we really should talk about is Luke Ryan, JB. Confirmed to be out three-plus weeks with a hamstring tear. Uh, we should do the same kind of thing. Let's pick some players around their price. 440K and under is what we're working with, um, and we'll go from that position there because uh, with only f- so many, what, five weeks left in the season, I think it is now, JB, we've got to get rid of him. Yep. And Four weeks, I, sorry, that's my fault. Yeah, exactly. So I think, as we said last time with uh, Tim Kelly and Heaney, I mean, by and large, we think they're generally the safe and best picks, but we, we do like to get a bit fancy on the podcast. I'll start off this one by saying Sisley is the safe pick, and unlike um, unlike Scott Lysette, Luke Ryan doesn't have a lot of cash behind him, and the picks that we're about to name are actually probably much worse than Sicily. So um, we'll get into it anyway and try and sell our case. I'll start off with a real left field pick, and that's Jeremy Howe. I was about to say Daniel Howe there. Jeremy Howe has come back from injury and scored 90 and 100 on the dot. So there is last two scores. He might be a bit of a safe option and safer than we expected if he's going to stick around that sort of variance. Now, he, they end the season with Gold Coast, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Essendon. Now, I think uh, of those four teams, Essendon is their main concern for, in terms of a loss. Um, the other three games should be they should be getting cattle back and should be winning uh, quite comfortably. So I'd expect how to be in decent wins um, and coming off the form of a nineteen hundred off of his injury. I know he was scoring really poorly prior to his injury. Um, there might be no relation at all. He might be a terrible pick <laughs> as I'm trying to sell him. But um, I don't mind him as a bit of a left field option if you're sort of losing faith in the other options around him that we're about to explain now. Yeah, no, I I, I do agree with that. He's got that good pedigree as well in scoring well. Yeah, so. that's what I was going to say. Over the last probably two or three years, he's got that um, proven history uh, you know, surrounding uh, his performance. So... Um, I, I, I can I can agree with that, JB. I think that, that that's not a bad pick whatsoever. So I'm going to go a little bit more left field, JB. I'm going to talk about uh, an old faithful um, in Uh-oh. Heath Shaw, JB. Oh, okay. He hasn't got a fantastic score for the um, the year so far. He's obviously been phased out a little bit. Only averages of uh, 70 of a three round and 64 in a five round. But let me just uh, say a few stats here, mate. Uh, in rounds 10 and 11, when uh, Zach Williams was out with a hamstring injury, uh, he had an 85 and a 93. Okay. Uh, it was in a little so bit far. of a hot streak there for him. Um, and in the last two weeks, when Zach Williams has been played exclusively up the ground, he's had a 95 and a 94. Ooh. Um, so that gives him uh, gives him an average of 93, 92, 93 when Zach Williams has been played outside of the defence line or basically not present at all. Um, so it puts the onus back on him to um, to kind of have a little bit more say in how they are delivering the ball out of the back 50. And with Josh Kelly again not back this week with his calf, you'd expect Zach Williams to be playing up the ground yet again. And from all reports and his interviews in the, the last few weeks, he's been really enjoying it and relishing the role. And, yeah, I, I agree. I think 
Um, I think for a moment last game, Port tagged him, so um, I wasn't able to catch the entire game. Uh, this is why I tell my fiance that I need to watch the entirety of every single game during the week, and it usually <laughs> usually actually doesn't even matter, but I get away with it. Um, but in this instance, I, di- I didn't quite catch it, but I did see somewhere that he was being tagged a little bit, hence the poor score. But besides that, he's so dynamic in that midfield and adds a, just a different dimension that I don't think many players in the league can really add. Just that real... He can be a wrecking ball, but he's so clean at his feet. He he always picks it up one go, usually one hand, and always hits his target running out. So um, I'd be surprised if they suddenly just threw him back into the the defensive line. So um, with those stats that you mentioned with Heshaw, I actually... I'm surprised I'm saying this because I've been calling for his retirement all season pretty much, but I don't mind that pick. Jeezo, you want to talk about a blast from the past with Heath Shaw. I'm going to bring the same thing with Cade Simo. So in the last three weeks, he's scored 87, 93, and 125. So he's been building. They've got the new coach in there who's been longer there longer than three weeks, as you pointed out to me uh, prior to the podcast. Um, but he's really sort of just been building, building, building to until he's gotten to a point where they've been really competitive and he's actually started scoring well. Now, the thing that scares me is their next four weeks have Richmond, sorry, West Coast, Richmond, St. Kilda, and Geelong. So three really tough games in there, but I don't know if it's exactly the case that Simo would score more poorly in tough games because as we've seen in the last 400 years that he's been in the league um, and while Carlton have been bad, he just scores well regardless. So if he's getting a run of form and people start getting a little reminiscent of his of his previous years that they've owned him in the game, I don't think he's a bad shout, but he wouldn't be my, my go-to man. You could have just sums everything up in two words, JB. Those two words are long sleeves. We've seen the return of the long sleeves <laughs> for Cade Simpson. And I'm a leck dog believer. I'm a believer in yeah, the long true. sleeve theory. And th- we've seen it. Since the sleeves have come back, so have the scores. They have magical powers. And if he keeps it, basically, leave your trade up until the last second. If you see him walking out to the, for the first bounce with sleeves on, bring him in. I honestly don't know why I bothered writing down stats when long sleeves <laughs> is, is actually the answer. I feel silly now. <laughs> And so you should, because my next suggestion is a little bit left field here, JB. Okay. Um, And I'm reading into it a little bit, but we've got Connor Blakely. Now, he hasn't been setting the world on fire. Only 81 average, um, uh, you know, in recent times. He's quite consistent. Um, Only the two tons since he's come back from the hamstring injury in mid-year, but he's been building a little bit. The important thing to note here is that 90% of, actually, I, I completely made that stat up. 90% of uh, made up, stats are made up, JB. Um, <laughs> a large portion of all Fremantle kick-ins are taken by either Nathan Wilson and Luke Ryan. And so taking the gamble that Connor Blakely is going to continue that kind of defensive role and he's been used for kick-outs occasionally during the year so far, they don't have a designated kick-out person. Connor Blakely, good by foot, in the vicinity of the goal square, do we see a points bump because they literally have no one else to kick out right now? They're, they're, they're too big 
players for kicking the ball out are both injured this week. Um, I forget what Nathan Wilson's done. He's, he, he's hurt his kicking toe, kicking toe JB. You he's, know what? Uh, he's, he's actually hurt his toe. I'm trying to remember. He's, too many kick-ins, I think, was the, the Nathan diagnosis. Nathan Wilson's kicking ability isn't even that strong. He turns it over a lot out of kick-ins. And I don't know if there's an actual stat for this. Or but this they use him to go long. They get it and just get exactly. him to Exactly. That's the thing. They use him to go long, not clinical. Maybe Blakely can become that clinical kick-out taker. That, yeah, the Luke Ryan. Exactly, because I think he he does have that accuracy that Wilson lacks heavily, I will say. Um, but he's also got the ability to go long as well. So hopefully, yeah, this week I'd expect that would see Blakely taking uh, a quite a few kickouts. I don't know if someone like Brad Hill gets back and, and takes a few or what the actual situation is with Fremantle. Maybe someone who follows Fremantle can tell us, but Damo, I can guarantee... Damo, at us. Come on, I can guarantee give, give it's not info. Griffin Lowe going to be taking the kickouts this week, so... Um, maybe now five does. Maybe five he gets a, a points bumped. Is that going to happen? Nah, he's not. He's not going to leave that forward. <laughs> that forward square. They're going to have oh. that. He's going to have that sling around his arm, and they're just going to bandage it to his sling. thorax so he can't move it. He's just going to play one handed this week. I, I really enjoy this sling. I reckon it's very aesthetically pleasing to see that on a player. But um, I as bet for you your... wear one. You wear one for something, don't you? I wear one for basketball. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All the gear, <laughs> no game. Um, Connor Blakely, though, as you've said, I do actually think it's a sneaky option, but he's probably, of all the ones that Look, we've mentioned risky. so far, he might be the riskiest. But yeah, I'll I admit do, it's risky. Like it. We're trying to, we're using our crystal ball to try and see the future, but that's the fun part because we've I only, only got He still had a crystal K. ball. No, what? he has a pistol ball. Wait, so you both have crystal slash pistol balls and I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to pick up on that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, we've been waiting for this Hawkins run for Pistol for about six weeks now. So I, He's I don't called think it, the I, worst run of his career. I, I, I think his crystal ball rolled down the stairs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's broken. Got, it's, it's got a crack it's in it. It's got a bit of dog hair and stuff on it. He saw Hawkins, but the crack didn't show that it was actually Darling. Yeah, it was actually a hawk. We, we should be picking a hawk, not Hawkins. No, we should not be picking hawks. They're all very bad for Supercoach. Clarkson's a horrible, horrible coach when it comes to that. Um, yeah. Just lastly, I will mention, and this is only for one person and one person's amusement only, and they know exactly who they are, but Hunter Clark is in okay form. I don't would not recommend selecting him in your Supercoach teams, but I know that I'll get screamed at if I don't mention him, so there you go, Pistol. <laughs> Yeah, if there's any chance of him listening to this. He'll be listening to this just to make sure we name Hunter Clark. He will. He honestly, uh, I think he genuinely will. Yeah, he does. This is the kind of thing he does, community. This is what we have to put up with. He retrospectively tells us what we should have said on each podcast. He usually waits till after the game as well. Like someone, someone like I don't know, Broadbent will score 130 and he's like, I can't believe you guys didn't mention Broadbent. You didn't mention Broadbent, guys. Come on. It's such an obvious pick. Pistol, Pistol does not do that. <laughs> very bad mouth thinking for no reason. This will just, this will show us if he if he does tune in though. So I'll be offended. Yeah, that's if right. That's all a test. Offended. It's all a test, mate. Hey, that that pretty much wraps up the trade in and trade out options. Oh, thank gosh. Um, that we need to touch on this week. Let's go straight into La Hugs captains for round twenty, mate. Uh, we've got a few good VC and C options. The early games, um, our usual captaincy choice choices are late game sorry we've got Grundy and uh, uh, good picks in the likes of McRae playing late uh, do you have a sneaky VC that uh, we could be looking at this week well Chizo, I've had a read of Lahug's captain's picks for uh, I, I'm, you're, you're definitely aware of how he sets it out he's got top three VCs top three captains right 
mm-hmm. this week, this man, this man's OCD. Like he's very, he's too, he sticks to what he does, and he doesn't change it. This week, Lahak has changed his system and made it just one top three VC. He's even still wrote it as top three VCs as Max Gorn. He's saying that you shouldn't consider anyone else besides Max Gorn. Are we concerned that he had his leg cut off during the week due to all reports on Facebook? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I read Facebook reports, I'm definitely concerned. But <laughs> if I listen to the club or maybe the team selection, then maybe maybe I don't have any concern whatsoever. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, coming up against Richmond, Gorn should be absolutely bossing it. Um, and he's just been incredible for him the last few weeks. I, I'm not displeased that when he had that week off, I jumped on um, the Goldie train just to kind of keep my scoring power up and, and to save myself from that donut. But at the same time, I'm still really wishing I had Gorn in that back pocket because he's just such a reliable captaincy option. Yeah, and last week he was really threatening. He had 117 at three-quarter time. Didn't go through with it in the end. Only scored the 16 in the last quarter. This week I think he'll uh, he'll bounce back from that. He'll bounce back from a 133, if you will. But I think he'll put... Richmond away more so than what he did last week and it might might pump out that score a bit larger so if you're not a Gorn owner uh, Lahug does recommend using a sneaky point of difference option and then you've got the the fantastic Sunday that we've got with McRae Grundy and those players that you mentioned earlier all playing so um, I think that we've pretty much got a, a large selection of picks this week that are pretty good yeah I, I think maybe Fife or Dangerfield on the Saturday afternoon would be the other yeah, um, I like pod, both of those. Pod that you could try. Um, on the Sunday, it's really difficult because not only do we have Cripps, Grundy, and um, McRae playing, but th- there's not a whole lot of overlap. Um, I think Cripps I th- will get tagged by Elliot Yo. So for what it's worth, this is the one week that I'd say maybe avoid Cripps because you'll yeah. probably keep him to 110 instead of 180. Yeah, I, I guess the, the thing to mention is um, there is the potential to go Grundy into someone like a McRae or Dunkley. Yeah. Uh, it just one of those. I think that's still also um, a legitimate option. Um, but if you've got Gorn, I think he's an easy VC. Uh, if you're like me that doesn't have Gorn, I'm looking at a Grundy into McRae kind Perfect. of situation at this stage. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be pretty careful though, JB. If uh, something happens, the the dog you know jumps out the backyard and escapes. You've got to go chase him. You miss that that captaincy option. That's the only thing that matters because there's a, a really short turnaround. Um, and usually you like to you know throw your VC a little bit earlier in the week so you can plan All things right, around. Public it, so. service announcement: Anyone out there with dogs attempting to do this VCC <laughs> swing, just check on them before the game, guys. <laughs> just adopt a new one. You'll be fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, whoa, 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 whoa. Dogs are family. Bro. Come on! <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I'm hoping Sammy didn't hear that. Oh um, mate, Sammy, <laughs> Sammy can run to my house. I'll be stoked with that. He's he's, he's going to give me the, uh, the the puppy dog eyes when he gets oh, out. Either mate, that or, yeah. I couldn't handle his puppy dog eyes. <laughs> the cutest dog ever. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to let him know. Uh, JB, I just want to go into one last section of the podcast. I'm dropping this on you completely out of the blue. Okay, excellent. I love it when you do this. What we've been doing in, in to you know kind of celebrate the year that has been towards the end of the year, we've got a section called Lessons Learned where I just want you to highlight maybe one or two things or you know just an overall feeling that you've picked up in the season of 2019, something that you're going to take away, something that um, is going to make you a better super coach player 
away and you just wish, you know, come the start of next season, you've got it fresh in your mind and you remember it. So when we listen back to these, we're like, oh, I'm going to remember to do that next year because that's something I've taken away. Can I cheat a little bit and put sure. up a lesson that I've learned the year before this year, implemented this year, but I've seen a lot of people struggle with? This sounds really complicated, so I'm loving it. <laughs> okay, so prior to this year, I'd choose a bunch of speculative picks. I've previously had Dylan Shield when he was at GWS in my team. Uh, picks like that that can really anchor you down, and it doesn't. It usually doesn't happen. You notice it at sort of more at the end of the season when you've got a lack of trades, you can't trade these players out. In fact, I'm going through it right now. Maybe I didn't learn my lesson because I've got Matt Crouch in my team who I thought Yeah, that's, be- that's who I was going to highlight that right there. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a guaranteed top ten midfielder. Um, obviously, I didn't. I didn't put quite as much research into it because I sort of I saw his price and just blindly chucked him into my squad. But that that's the sort of lesson that I teach players is if you if you have it's fine to go with one at most two speculative players, but it's the trading that really wins you your leagues and your rankings and and etc etc. Et I've gone with a bunch of safe players this year, even Laird who hasn't set the world on fire. He's just a safe 98 average top six defender. He's fine. Um, he's a toxic defender there for a second. <laughs> he has been a bit toxic this year with his scores, but <laughs> um, but he's been okay. So I, I just would recommend that people look hard at, you know, people that chose Taranto this year. I know it's working out in the last few weeks since, you know, they've got a Kelly's depleted gone, midfielder, yeah. but... Um, I didn't even hear what you said just then, but that sort of pick where people just expect, you know, top eight midfield, because that's what you're selecting them for. Um, and then when it doesn't work out, it, it just becomes a nightmare. It affects you by 10 points per game. And, you know, you're stuck with a player that you'd rather trade out, but you're out of trades because we always run out of trades. So I think it's just important next year when you're selecting your teams, and I'll be doing the same, is you just play it safe from round one and then you get crazy as the year goes. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. I think Matt Crouch seemed. Uh, I think Matt Crouch and Zach Merritt were the two that I was tossing up for one position in my midfield to start the year. Uh, both accumulators, both tend to go on really good runs. Matt Crouch uh, always tends to finish the year quite well. Um, I think I saw a stat from Frico on Twitter that only. Dangerfield and Titch have scored more games between round 20 and 23 in round from like 2016 2018 over that three uh, three year period so yeah, he has right. the sc- yeah he has the scoring potential this was the year that I thought that he was going to get that continuity um you know Adelaide tend to have a lot of injuries in that midfield and they you know they're plugging people in and taking them out and swapping this one forward and so once you get a a solid midfield group that all play together on a consistent basis I felt like he was going to find his groove um obviously this hasn't been the year and there just hasn't been the necessity to upgrade him because like he's averaging 100 flat like it's not great but at M8 you know that that's just what I got you know what I mean so um I, I totally agree with that kind of that kind of situation. That these guys can really bury you down. Um, in terms of Clayton Oliver, what he's doing in the last you know five weeks to kind of contrast it, because I started with Clary and um, Matt Crouch. Um, the, what Clayton Oliver has been doing this year, so like the back half of the year, he's going at 121 in his last five. Um, and some of the ceiling that we've seen this year has gone to another level. Like I think. When uh, he's on, Clayton Oliver can keep up with anyone in Supercoach. Like, there, there's no ceiling that he can't surpass. Oh, for sure. Um, it, but it's just the consistency. Usually we see 
an amazing consistency from Clayton Oliver, but this year we haven't seen that. We've had absolutely terrible games contrasted with incredible 170-plus games. Um, and so this year I expected that he would be one of like three or four that could go 120-plus. And yes, we're seeing it at the back half of the year, but that first 11 weeks waiting for it to happen just killed me, JB. So I totally agree with what you're putting up down, uh, putting down on the table in, in terms of um, you know expecting these people to go to the next level. Um, they're definitely a risky pick, and if you pick a couple like I do, they can really tie down for the entire you know part of the season when you're trying to upgrade. Yeah, and that's the thing. And then you get to this point of the season, like I'd love to get rid of Matt Crouch, and I see a lot of people talking about doing it. But these people are like me, and they've got less than five trades, and you know injuries are hitting us left, right, and center. We we just had a random Ryan injury. We you know we've got obviously Lysette being dropped. That's just this week, and you know prior weeks we've got Josh Kelly going down, which actually might have been predictable with in hindsight. But <laughs> five going know, down also it, predictable. Yeah, exactly right. But Cripps we'll was out. Got, that wasn't predictable. Uh, that wasn't predictable. And, you know, there's going to be more between now and the end of the season. I hate to tell people with, you know, one or less trades that there are going to be more injuries between now and the end of the season. We just can't afford to get rid of these players. And your starting squad is essentially what sets you up for the season. Your trading is more important, but your starting squad will at least determine as to whether you have to use those trades to sideways in the buys or you know, do your upgrades and get your best team possible. Yeah, and like, uh, I, I guess, what do you think is more important? Like, obviously, they're both important, but is there like a weighting that you think overall more important? Like, I think maybe, um, you know, trading is slightly more important to your final team, like maybe a 60-40 kind of thing. Like, because if you stuff your, your initial team, the year year's done in round one. You can't You can't really come back from that. But if you stuff your trades up during the year, um, you can kind of work your way through it um, into that respect. So it's, it's definitely not one or the other, but I think probably doing intelligent, smart, and pl- uh, prior planned trades uh, is definitely super important and probably slightly more important than your starting team. Yeah, so it ramps up the more, the more mistakes that you make. But for example... I think it's easier to fix four trades that you stuff up. For example, you get rid of Sydney Stack after four games when he's at 180k instead of holding him till 300k. You know that costs you cash generation, but at the very least, you can still upgrade to a premium who might not be your Jake Lloyd's or you know your players like that. But you can at least get someone to inform or predict a good form run. If you stuff up like four of your premiums in your first team and they're averaging like Matt Crouch, like you know in the 20s then you know, having to upgrade those and again, wasting trades, I just think it's so much more detrimental. So, um, I mean, I, I'm, I can't even remember who I started, but I think it was Lloyd, Laird, and Zach Williams in my back line. You know, they're, they're all pretty safe to me. I know a lot of people had problems with Zach Williams, but to me, he was always safe. Um, and then in the midfield, like players like Clayton Oliver, who you know might not have seemed safe after a month, but like you said, he's pulled it back well. Um, and then you tried and true players that are just in there every year. Like it's, it, yeah, sometimes it's just that that's the difference. And if you're a massive point of difference type player, like uh, the analyst even, is a, is a huge point of difference. Yeah. And, and it works for him as well because he's a really good trader. Um, but like if you, if you're just a casual and you're going through with your point of difference players and you want four, five, six of them, if they all stuff up and, and you know, they're stuffed up from, you know, the first couple of rounds, like Toby Green, like, then you know you, that's when people quit in the early parts of the season because they know that there's no coming back from that. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I like the contrasting opinions in in terms of that. If there's anything I took away from this year, it's also something I took away from the year before and the year before that. It's just don't get Toby Green. Just, yeah. just don't that's, get That's it. the biggest lesson of everything, isn't it? So no to- biggest- Except for in the last two weeks in the next four, no Toby Green, though. <laughs> he could be 200K next year and I still won't pick him. I'll oh, mate, he's so good again. in the mid. If, he, if, if Leon Cameron comes out and says he's playing 100% midfield all season, nah. I'll start him again. Nope, I'll do it. No, nah. nah, I don't Not care. Him. <laughs> nah, I'm, I guarantee yeah. all three of us pick Josh Kelly next year, though. Oh, I am. I haven't ruled him out for a second. He's one. Of, he's a top three scorer in the game, and he might get injured for a month every season. But I'm going to collect those points while I can. Uh, dear. All, all I know is Rockliffe and Matt Crouch aren't going near my team ever again. Those two, they're well, banished. That's one thing I learned from last year. Uh, I I begged everyone not to get on Rockliffe, and they still did. So uh, hopefully Agreed. they're. That's the only thing I've been 12 months ahead on. That's the only thing I've been you know 12 months behind him. Shannon gets stuffed as well. He's too old and he's doing cast already. He's gone as well. He's banished. <laughs> All right, mate. We're getting out of control. JB, <laughs> where can they find us during the week? Let's uh, let's wrap things up. All right. You can get La- Laughter Men man right. Oh, my gosh. I, I went to go with a gag, but it didn't even work. <laughs> Laughter Man. <laughs> Chizo at Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC. Myself at JB underscore DRSC. And then Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC. I think we occasionally retweet stuff from at Dr. <laughs> underscore SC, but that's uh, that, that's. Oh, a, I still can't figure out how to fix that. We'll, we'll get, look, we're going to revive that for next season. I promise everyone that it'll be revived. Please don't unfollow. We will revive it, I swear. I can't tell you how many hours I've tried tried to figure out how to link these two things together. I think the only option is just to tweet everything manually, and that's just going to be it's so much effort. Yeah, well, maybe we won't revive it. <laughs> yeah, we will revive it. It'll come nah, back. It's coming back, just like my Supercoach team next year. We're, we're going to... Cheezo Chase Down is happening, and... Dr. Supercoach Twitter chase down is happening as well. JB, fantastic <laughs> to have you on, mate. Uh, appreciate you being on the podcast with me there. A little bit of uh, carnage to, to jump through. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, cheers, mate. And until next week. Cheers, community. Good luck. Good luck.